Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Discovery Point Church. We're glad that you are here. And those of you who are attending uh, online, welcome as well. It's good to have you here today as we uh, conclude our series on timely questions. And I just encourage you to follow along with me this evening as we see what God has to say to us today uh, as we we deal with a very non-controversial subject. Uh, Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, it is so true that we are seated in Christ Jesus in heaven. And Lord, I pray that the reality of our position in Christ would be made manifest today, that we would understand, Lord, that we are in you, seated in the heavenly places, where there is no fear, there's no worry, but you have given us confidence, and we thank you for that. And Lord, as we come to your word this evening, My prayer is that you would open our ears and our minds to hear what you have to say to us today uh, to remind us of where we are in history, of where we are in your plan for humanity. May we be challenged today uh, with a holy boldness to be strengthened by your spirit, being reminded that You haven't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And so, Lord, use us. Speak to us today, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it was when we first started this series on timely questions that Pastor Ron made the statement, we are at war. And you know, that's true. We're, we're, we're not at war um, for over, over land, uh, like with Russia and Ukraine. We're, we're not at war over Taiwan with China. We are at, in a war where the stakes are extremely high. We are engaged as the church in a war for the very souls of, of humanity. And this war is spiritual. Not physical, but spiritual. And as Christians, we are engaged in a three-front war. A war on three fronts. The first front is spiritual. And way back in Genesis chapter 3, we, we get the scene of the garden where uh, in verse 1, the scripture tells us, now the serpent was more crafty, than any beast of the field. The serpent was more slick, more conniving than any beast of the field, the Bible tells us. And later on, we learn more about Satan's plan, his desire, uh, what he hopes to do. And in, in Isaiah chapter 14, we, we see his lofty goals, where Isaiah records this concerning Satan. The Bible says how, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. 
you who have weakened the nations, verse 13, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assembly. In the recesses of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And Satan's plan from the, from since he rebelled against God has been just that. He wants to be God. He wants to be God in your life. And he wants to be God in my life. And what I find interesting about what Isaiah says is, is that when he says in verse 12, you who have weakened the nations, the idea is to cause the nations to prostrate themselves, to defeat the nations. And if you look at our culture today, I think Satan's doing a pretty good job. Satan desires to, to be God. And, and Paul reminds us concerning Satan in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and he reminds us, he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, talking about the church, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Paul tells us that there is a spiritual control over our culture, that there is a spiritual control over the earth that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And Peter warns the church in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. He says, be of sober spirit. In other words, stay alert. Be on the alert. You, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is looking and seeking for those whom he can conquer, even those within the church. And so Paul reminds us that this war that we are engaged in as the church is spiritual. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, he tells us, he reminds us to put on not the half, but the full armor of God. Why? So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, don't miss this, is not against flesh and blood. This is very important. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Paul says, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in a spiritual war, Paul says. And here's, here's the, the, the incredible thing is this. This war doesn't take a break when we go to sleep. Doesn't take a break when we go to work. Doesn't take a break when we relax. This war is ongoing, and it is always going, and it has been going on since the fall of Satan and his angels. And so we can't, we can't relax. We can't let down our guard, uh, lest we, we be defeated. So the first front is that we are in a spiritual warfare with the enemy. The second front is against the flesh. If you were here last week, Pastor Ron alluded to this flesh and this war. Uh, uh, for example, in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 through 20, Paul reminds us of this. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, in this body, Paul says. 
For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. Verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. We're in a constant battle, not only with spiritual forces, but also with this flesh. And it has desires, that, and sometimes it drives us to do one thing or another. Matter of fact, just the other day, I was, I was leaving the dentist office, and I was headed home, and I'm heading on Grand to get to the 303, and some guy decided he wanted to occupy the same space as me and pull his truck over. Well, I'm in the space. And so I just let, let him know politely as I honked the horn for about 10 seconds, I'm here, you can't come over. And he gave me some choice words, and before I know it, I looked at him, and the flesh rose up, and I gave him some words. And it's like, um, you know what? He needs Jesus. And Rod, right now, you need Jesus. So I, so I repented, um, but that just shows you how fast and how swift the flesh can rear its ugly head because I was just wanting to get home. Which is why Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. He says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not, here's the command, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And listen to this. He says, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, as though the church were, was involved in continual sin, and they were, and sometimes we are. Paul says, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. And so the second front in this war, brothers and sisters, is this war with the flesh. You've got the spiritual war happening, and we've got this war with the flesh that's always happening. But there's a third front, and that's the war with the world or our culture. And the world has declared war against marriage and the family. For example, in, in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, Scripture says this. The man said, this is after God had brought Eve to Adam, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, guys, and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The scripture says that God created man and woman, and that they were to come together, become one flesh, in marriage. And I don't know when's the last time you took a biology class, but... Men and women are suited to come together to become one flesh. The world doesn't see it quite that way. Matter of fact, the culture has a counterfeit 
for marriage. See, on Friday, June the 26th, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court declared gay marriage to be legal in the U.S., declaring states that the ban states had on same-sex marriage were now unconstitutional. And so we've turned over some 4,000 years of history. And now, it's not just a man and a woman who can be married, but it can be a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. And so Satan has declared war on marriage. But he didn't stop there. Because during the height of COVID, on, on July the 7th, 2020, the city of Somerville, Massachusetts, legalized polyamory, where groups of three or more could be registered as married. So now it's not just a man and a woman, or two men, or two women. Now it's two guys and a gal, or three guys and two gals. And I think the law was up to 12. gets confusing. But remember, this is a spiritual war. And Satan has counterfeited and then corrupted God's institution for marriage. And it makes me wonder, what's next? Minor attracted adult relationships? There's a word for that. It's called polygamy. But don't laugh, because it's not too far away. So the world has declared war not only on marriage, but the world has also declared war on words. And you've probably heard about this and seen this in our culture today. In our culture today, words like mankind, Mr., Mrs., ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls. By the way, if you've ever been to Disneyland in the past, when it's time for the fireworks, they used to say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dreamers of all ages. Well, they don't say that anymore because Disney wants to be inclusive. So now it's simply, good evening, dreamers of all ages. But again, mankind, Mr., Mrs., ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, husband, wife, brother, sister, father, mother, policeman, fireman, firewoman, etc. These words are now taboo in our culture because they are not binary gender terms, and they, are not and they are not inclusive. They are not non-binary gender fluid words. In colleges, our centers of education have jumped on the band bandwagon. Colleges like California State University, Lake Superior State University in Michigan, and Washington State University, to name a few has jumped on this ban of words. Even Colorado State University, they banned the word America and American because it is deemed as offensive. What's next? Do we start banning books? Maybe even books like the Bible? It's happened before. It could happen again. But now the world has opened up a, a new flank, a new front, a more pernicious and more dangerous front. And this front isn't aimed at, at our marriages. It's not aimed at our words. Rather, it's aimed at our youth. It's aimed at our children, those children 
5 to 17. And this new front comes in the form of gender identity or, or transsexualism. And gender identity has taken our nation by storm. Have you heard of this? It has upset the way things are. And it is making great advances in our culture. And if the church isn't the church, we're going to become irrelevant in this war. But I love what we just saying. We are not defeated. God has never lost an engagement. And he's not going to start today. So our outline for today is simply this. Uh, we're going to define what gender identity is clinically. We're going to examine the results of gen gender identity culturally. Just a few, because we've spent a lot of time on this subject researching, and this is just, what we're going to hear tonight is just a small snippet of, of, of this entire engagement. And then we're going to look at the response to gender identity biblically. So we're going to define it. We're going to see, how, see what it's doing in our culture. Just a small snippet. And then how do we respond to it biblically? Make sense? All right, so according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the fifth edition, or, or DSM-5, which is used by the American Psychiatric Association to diagnose mental disorders, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to listen for the wording. Listen for the wording within the DSM-5. So gender identity is defined as this. It is a category of social identity and refers to an individual's identification as male, female, or occasionally some category other than male or female. It's page 451. Gender identity is, is a social a category of social identity the way somebody identifies themselves based on how they feel. But did you catch the wording? Or some other category? What else is there other than male and female? Well, the world will tell you that there are some 200 plus genders, which is a lie. There are two. Better yet, there are two sexes. There's male and there's female. Sex is concrete. Gender is more perceived. It's how you feel. And so gender identity seeks to overturn here in the last 20 plus years some 4,000 years of history to say there's male, female, and then whatever you want to call yourself. As though God has said that there's something else and we've just discovered it. However, when, when someone when, who is having issues with gender identity, when they feel uncertain about what they are, that's termed gender dysphoria. And according to the DSM-5, page 451 also, it describes gender dysphoria as this, as it's, it is a general descriptive term which refers to an individual's affective cognitive discontent with the assigned gender but it's more specifically defined when used as a diagnostic category 
And so gender dysphoria is, is that condition, that mental condition where what you are, male or female, it doesn't line up with, what you, with how you feel. Or as the DSM-5 put it, refers to an individual's affective or cognitive discontent with the, did you catch the wording? The assigned birth. As though your parents made some arbitrary judgment, male, female, boy, girl, okay, we're done. And then you, you have the right to change that later on. This is the issue with the word gender. Again, our sex is determined, but gender is, it's, it's perceived, it's, it's about feeling. The DSM-5 goes on to say about gender dysphoria. It says, it refers to the distress that may accompany the incongruence between one's experienced or expressed gender and one's assigned gender. See, even the language has been corrupted. They say, although not all individuals will experience distress, as a result of such incongruence, many are distressed if the desired physical interventions by means of hormone and or surgery are not available. Did you catch that? The, the disconnect, the irrational thinking between I'm a boy or I'm a girl, but I feel something other, that disconnect sometimes causes distress. But mainly when someone can't get the hormonal therapy, or when they can't get top surgery and bottom surgery to make them look like they're male or to look like they're female. That's what the DSM-5 is concerned with. Listen to what they say as they conclude. The current term is more descriptive than the previous DSM-4 term, gender identity disorder, and focuses on dysphoria as the clinical problem. The I'm not happy with who I am. Not identity, per se. So the DSM-5 focuses more on the dissatisfaction or the discomfort with, with who you are and how God made you. DSM-4 focused on fixing the, the incongruity between who you are and what you think you are. They address the mental disconnect. DSM-5 addresses the feeling. Does that make sense? And so we've moved from, 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 from helping our young people with a mental condition or a mental disconnect to one of, well, you feel this way, so it must be true, so let's, 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 let's make you feel good about your feeling and what you're feeling. And the, 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 the culture has targeted our youth, again, between the ages of 5 and 17 where they're going through, through life and they're going through, especially if they're on the internet, these things where I don't measure up because the internet says I should look like this and I don't, therefore I'm not happy with myself, I'm not happy with my body. They're going through puberty, which is a whole nother issue where their voices are changing, they're getting hair everywhere and they're not sure where they are or what they are. I know, I've been there. But the world has seized upon the opportunity to, to get a hold of our youth and affirm what they are feeling. Uh, they call it gender-affirming care. So rather than addressing the, the mental disconnect, the irrational thinking between 
what you are and what you're feeling, we, we nurture the feeling and then we, 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 we go with that. We go in that direction and we give them what they want. Can I just take a moment to just read to you just how pervasive this is? Do you mind? You got a minute? Dr. Dr. Ryan Anderson, uh, in his article, Sex Reassignment Doesn't Work, he quotes Dr. Deanna Atkins, who is, professor, who is a professor at Duke University School of Medicine and director of the Duke Center for Child and, and Adolescent Gender Care. And Dr. Atkins says this. She says, from a medical perspective, the appropriate determinant of sex is gender identity. She says, the only medically supported determinant of sex, she says, every other method is bad science, she claims. It is counter to medical science to use chromosomes, hormones, internal reproductive organs, external genitalia, or secondary sex characteristics to override gender identity for purposes of classifying someone as male or female. In her sworn declaration to the federal court, Atkins called the standard account of sex, an organism's sexual organization, whether you have a vagina or a penis, she says, and it, she says it, is extremely outdated, it, it, it is an extremely outdated view of biological sex. See how far Satan has come in corrupting our world, our words, even our medical professionals. And to be honest, sometimes how we feel doesn't match up to who we are. But it doesn't change who we are. Our feelings change day to day. What we are has been determined by God. And gender identity, this, this crisis is called, has caused a dangerous shift in our, in, a, in our culture, in our thinking, even in our schools. You know, when I was in school back in Arkansas, we learned three things, reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's, right? Later, it's R, W, and, a, and an M. But Anyway, and when you would go to school, you were taught how to read, how to do math, uh, things like geography, social, social science. Um, you learned uh, data so that you could be able to interact with the world. But today, it seems some of our schools have become and are turning into uh, not institutions of teaching, but institutions of indoctrination. In her book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our, Our Daughters uh, by Dr. Abigail Schreier, she uncovers how schools have chosen to, to sexualize our children. And she notes this in her book. She says, in January 2019, the policymaking arm of the California Teachers Association met in LA and they voted on a number of routine items. New officers, continual monitoring of, of charter school activity. They also voted on new, on, on new business item number 6-19-12, requiring immediate action. She says, this was a proposal to allow transgendered student, minor students 
trans-identified minor student, excuse me, to leave campus during school hours to obtain gender hormone treatments without parental permission. These are junior high and high school students. She goes on to note that in January 2020, the CTA's Civil Rights and Education Subcommittee kicked things up a notch. She says the committee moved to create school-based health care clinics that would provide cisgendered, transgender, and non-binary youth equal and confidential, don't miss that word, access to a broad range of physical, mental, and behavioral services. Translation, you don't have to leave campus. You can get your desired help right here at the school. She says the result of this is that California students who want cross-sex hormones will not only be able to obtain them without parents' knowledge or permission, they may be able to do so without leaving school grounds. Satan is after our children. So that as they, 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 they go through life trying to understand how they fit in and who they are and where they are and what they are, the schools have decided in California and some other states, and it's, you know, what happens in California doesn't stay there. Did you know that? So that now your children can go to school, receive hormone therapy, and you will never know the difference because it's all under the cloak of student privacy. And the school will never let you know that this is going on because it's all about the privacy of the students, and they will assist your child or children in transitioning without your knowledge and without your permission, because they know what's best, right? Wrong. Here's what I find interesting, is that uh, these youth from kindergarten to age 17, they can't vote, they can't buy alcohol, they can't buy cigarettes, they can't buy a firearm. But they're, they're, they're allowed in the schools to make life-changing decisions uh, when it comes to top surgery or double mastectomy or bottom surgery where you, you have uh, sexual organs formed, where they receive hormones that can cause sterility or worse for the rest of their lives. And you may never, ever know. Our youth are being sexualized from as young as kindergarten, from five. And in California, it's all, th it's all the way through high school. And I'm sure you've heard uh, on the news about books that are, that are, that, that are sexually explicit and, 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 and graphic, and this is happening today. And this war, this new front, is about our children. And if, we don't, if we're not the church, we're going to lose them. If we don't tell them about Jesus and who he is, we're going to lose them. And this is just one aspect of this gender identity craze that has permeated our, our culture. And Dr. Schreiner's uh, in, uh, investigation led me to the discovery of, uh, of a manual. Can you bring up that picture? It's called Schools in Transition. Uh, a guide for supporting transgender students in K through 12 schools. 
this, this manual was, was written by the ACLU, the National Education Association, the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, which they exist to improve the lives of LGBT people, Gender Spectrum, which provides education training to help uh, training to help create a gender sensitive and inclusive environment for children and teens. And then NCLR, the, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, which, which is a legal organization committed to the protection of LGBT people through litigation, legislation, and policy. And you can find this manual online, and in this manual, they, they instruct the schools on how to, if your child is trans or, or feel as though they're trans, how to keep this hidden from their parents. And so they open up a second database, and when your child is at school, they go by a different pronoun or by a different name, and they're treated as such. But when, it, when you come out for parent-teacher day, they use the other database with the child's legal name and legal sex. And because of privacy, you will never know the difference. Unless, of course, we are talking to our children. Amen? This handbook teaches the schools how to circumvent you and your authority and how to assist children or youth in their transition from male to female or female to male. And we know that a girl can't become a guy and a boy can't become a girl. Biologically, it's impossible. Chromosomally, it's impossible. Your DNA is different. And our legislatures are involved. There are certain states, Virginia being one, where they wanted to pass the law to make it a, I think it was a felony, if parents didn't support their, their child's desire to transition. And this was recent, within the last month. And so the world is out for our children. We are in a war. Whether you feel it or believe it or see it, we are. So how do we as the church respond biblically to this? What are we to do? Well, first of all, God does not make mistakes. Amen? amen. See, if this were a Baptist church, there'd be amens everywhere. God does not make mistakes. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the scripture says, God created man in his own image. The idea is mankind. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, period, end of sentence. Male and female, done. No zir, zir, zim, and all the other crazy stuff we hear out there. Male and female, God doesn't make mistakes when he creates. Secondly, God was intimately involved in our creation. In, in Psalm 139, verse 13, we heard this earlier. David says, for you, talking to God, you formed me, my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. And let me just continue. It's not on the screen. But David says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you 
when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, David says. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all, were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. David says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David says that, God, you formed me the way that I am. And you know what? It's the same with you. God made you the way that you are, physically, mentally. He made you. He made me. I was hoping for six feet, but I'll take five, eight. You know, just maybe some platform shoes would help. But God made me the way that I am, and he didn't make a mistake with me. But I want to remind you of what Paul says, and we read this earlier, back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against the teacher. It's not against the administrator. And it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is spiritual. But it's so easy for us to go off on the teacher or the principal or the administrator, because that's who we see. But we've got to remember, it's the power behind the people. And don't forget the state of the world. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, Timothy, the Lord's bondservant, must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, strength under control, this meekness, correcting those who are in opposition. Listen to this. If perhaps, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Those who don't know Jesus have been ensnared, and if I can use this brainwashed by Satan to think the way they do. And we were once in that same boat. We were once in that same snare until Jesus saved us. Amen? Amen. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, he says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who were perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That Satan has blinded their minds. But you know what? Jesus opens minds. He opens ears. He opens blind eyes to hear and to see his gospel, to hear and to recognize his gospel. But there's got to be somebody there to share it. And if we don't share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, who will? Think about that. The Bible says we need to be teaching our children what God has said. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, God says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Verse 7, 
you shall teach them diligently to your sons and, and, and daughters, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you, walk, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, we need to be talking to our, our children about what God has said. And just let me say, if, if you're, you're a teenager and you're not going to the Holy Habits Club, you really should because you'll get the word of God, which is a defense against the devil. And you'll learn the truth about what God has said. Paul tells us, and this is very important, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He said, you know what? God gave you uh, evangelists, preachers, teachers. And he says, as a result, we are no longer to be, taught, to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we ought to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We need to speak the truth in love. Boys don't become girls. Girls don't become boys. Period. End of sentence. God created two sexes. If you want to, he created two genders, male and female. Period. End of sentence. We've got to tell the truth. But we've got to tell the truth in love such that we draw those that we're, we're in communication with, that we draw them to Christ and not push them away. Amen? And then lastly, let, let love lead. Jesus tells on the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he tells this, this crowd and his disciples. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And George said, amen. That's easy to do. Jesus says, uh, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We should be praying for our teachers, our, our, our principals, our administrators, and anybody else that would mislead our children into thinking that they can change what they are. It's got to start with prayer. It's got to be bathed in prayer so that God can lead and use us for his glory. Because we're trying to reach the world. And last time I, I checked, teachers and administrators are part of the world. Social media influencers, whatever that means, are part of the world. And they need to know Jesus. So in closing, just let me say this. If you or your child is struggling with gender identity, or gender dysphoria, and you would like help, email me, rod at discoverypointaz.com, and we will help you navigate this stormy sea. By the way, uh, your emails are confidential. They are confidential. So, don't let the enemy shame you into seeking help. Amen? Let me pray. Father, thank you for just our time as we, we address a very difficult subject. But Lord, I'm reminded of your words that you have not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. That your Holy Spirit is the sovereign God that dwells within us. And he is powerful 
and he is loving, and he has given us a sound mind. And so, Lord, give us today a holy boldness to tell the truth to a defiant culture that you reign and that you created only two sexes, and that is male and female. Holy Spirit, help us to trust you, to give us the words to say. And if there's somebody here that is struggling with this, Lord, give them the boldness to reach out for help, I pray. We love you, Lord. May we be the church that you have called us to be. And we ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.